Hi, I'm Gabby Herculano. And I'm Shella Lika. And this is Climate Talk with Gabby and Shella, a weekly podcast in which we talk to an array of fascinating people from all corners of the business and financial world about their solutions for creating a decarbonized planet and a climate habitable for all. Come join us as we push toward a greener future. We are super excited today. We're speaking to Philippa White. She's CEO and founder of the International Exchange. Thank you so much for having me, both of you. It is such an honor to be here. Thank you. Pleasure. It's such an honor to have you with us. So the first question, we'd love to know more about your background and what brought you to your current position um, and role. I know you have a very global background with <laughs> as well as having done a number of roles before you currently were, you know, joined Thai or founded Thai, sorry, to be exact. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that journey. What brought you, what brought you here? It probably goes back to, to my background. So I think I'll start there. I was born in South Africa, grew up in Canada. I studied business in Canada, but then did an exchange, finished my degree in Thailand uh, in Bangkok. So did six months in Bangkok and traveled around Southeast Asia, which was amazing. And then I found myself in London working in advertising. So I worked in advertising for a few years. And then it was at that point that I then founded Thai. So I think if I was to go back and understand where all of this kind of came from, I think it really, my whole family come from the helping people industries. So family of doctors, loads of people in my family are doctors and my brother, environmental engineer, um, sister worked in public health, she spent a lot of her career in Cape Town, working with the antiretroviral rollout in the Western Cape. My mom was a social worker and nurse. My uncle was actually Nelson Mandela's doctor when he came out of prison. It was literally like when he came out of prison and started negotiations with the apartheid government. My uncle was the doctor that followed him around. They were very close because of my uncle and aunt's work with the ANC and fighting against the regime of apartheid. So I would go to South Africa and visit family and the conversations would be rooted in humanity and soul and trying to genuinely make the world better in their way in what they do. And I think where I struggled was when I was working in the private sector, specifically in advertising, there was a moment, a lot of moments actually, where I was thinking, where are the conversations around humanity? Where's the soul? There was something missing. And it wasn't that I wanted to quit my job and go and work in an NGO or to be a doctor. I had no desire to actually quit where I was. Actually, I loved what I did. But there was sort of this needle that just didn't really go away. And I think if I then, my uncle then passed away. And this part of the story is actually really, really important. I went to his funeral in South Africa, in Cape Town. And I looked around. And at his funeral, there was the Minister of Health and the two bodyguards. There were a whole lot of family members, medical colleagues. But then there were also so many mixed colored faces at this funeral. And there were people on the list to speak. This man from a shantytown put up his hand and he said, I know I'm not on the list to speak, but I'd really like to. And everyone's like, yeah, of course. So he went up to the front of the room and he said, Neil was the only doctor 
who treated us in our community who could actually speak our language. The rest of the doctors treated us like animals, like they were vets. They didn't even speak our language. And I thought, holy shit, that's something I didn't even, I didn't even think of that. And then this woman walked to the front, like everyone's like, she walked to the front. She said, I was in jail in, uh, during apartheid. Obviously the jail that I was in was in a black neighborhood. So the fact that Neil went to visit me every month or week or something, like it was regular. She knew that he would go. So he risked his life to go. Because I mean, as a white person going to a black area already is difficult. And he would then pass messages to her in chocolates saying what was happening on the outside. Like if he got caught, that would be crazy, but he didn't. She said, during a really dark time of my life, he gave me light. And I thought, holy shit, because my uncle was one of the most inspirational, knowledgeable, extraordinary men that I knew. But he also impacted so many people. Like the ripple effect was so incredible. And it was that moment, this was in 2004, and I found a tie in 2006. So that moment, I was like, you know what? This is extraordinary. The power of expanding your personal circle, the power of breaking through barriers, the power of stepping out of your silo, meeting people who are different, doing things that are different, make you a better person, like just make you better, which then helps you drive the world to be better, right? Because if you know who you are, and you have that power and that confidence and knowledge and insights, you can then be that driver of change. So that was sort of the start of Thai, and that's kind of the background. And then about the, the international exchange, and to give context, right, I, I had that experience. I climb a earth. We supported one of your projects. It was a cause very dear to us. As you know, we look at the solutions that can decarbonize the planet. One solution with a big social impact is powering the last billion with uh, yeah. distributed solar panels and, and batteries, right? Yeah. So it's something very close to us. And through a mutual friend, we got to meet you and understand about one of your projects, which is the Cleaner Cooking Coalition. Yeah. So tell us more about your theory of change and how you put all of that background and that family history and your uncle's yeah. teachings into the international exchange. And then how do you go about finding these projects and like, like cleaner cooking coalition that we were a supporter of. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So when I kind of brought all, like when all of these um, pieces started to kind of fall together, I decided, you know what, I need to quit my job and I need to make it possible for professionals to find a way for them to do and be more and basically realize their potential and reveal their power and their humanity and their ingenuity and their, you know, bringing out the best in people so that they can be in, and do more. And the way that we do that is by connecting the private sector and those people within it with social projects. So our way to create that catalyst for change is by taking people out of their silos and putting them in situations that are so totally different from the corporate world. And so we work with a number of different professionals, professional backgrounds. We started just in communications, but we work with people from the financial industry. We work with architects. We've had engineers, 
But the purpose is getting individuals to use what they know. This isn't sort of volunteering kind of painting houses. It is stretching individuals by taking them out of their silo, broadening their horizons and putting them in situations that are totally different from their day to day. So the way we did that, and I do feel like it's important, I just point this out, because before COVID, we actually only did this. So I've been doing this since 2006. The way that we did it was by physically sending one person from a company, and we also only worked with corporates. So we would, our clients were like WPP, Octopus Investing, Saatchi and Saatchi, Leo Burnett, BBH. And we would get an individual and they would fly to Burma or they would fly to Brazil or to Ghana or to Malawi or wherever it would go. And they would have 30 days to crack a challenge. And Thai works, I mean, it really is a matter of, okay, oh my God, I'm leaving London. I've never gone to Malawi. I didn't even know where Malawi was on the map. Oh my God. And suddenly I'm in a completely different world, working in an area I've never worked in before, in a language I might not have spoken before, in you know a culture I didn't know anything about. And I've got 30 days to crack a challenge. But that's the way that Thai worked. And I've got tons of examples of impact and what happens. We work in 21 countries around the world. And we've worked with hundreds of individuals. But then COVID hit. So if we're talking about necessity being the mother of invention, with every challenge, there is an opportunity and pivoting. Our only clients were corporates. And we had, like, borders had to be open because people had travel. But Thai has always been about unleashing the potential within people. Because just as an aside, and I, haven't, I didn't touch on this at the beginning, I truly believe, and this will come to sort of some of the other questions, I truly believe the future of this planet and the sustainability of it and the health of it is in the hands of a lot of the people in the private sector, 100%, without doubt, because it's got the reach, it's got the money, it's got the human resources. But how do we get there? It's by unleashing the power and the potential of those individuals within that sector. That's the key. And everybody has it within them, but a lot of people don't have the courage or the confidence or the insights or the, you know, we're living in a really volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world. We need leaders that are flexible, that are empathetic, that understand how to work with different people and to, to negotiate difficult situations. So that's what Thai is all about. It's unleashing that within individuals so that they can then drive that future. So we've been teaching that forever. Then COVID hit and we're like, holy shit, sorry to swear on your podcast, but we need to find a solution and quick because we work in 21 countries around the world. We had emails coming from Nepal, from Laos, from Burma, from Brazil, from Zambia, from India. How do we teach kids in favelas that there is no internet and there's no tablets? school? How does that work? How do we pivot? What do we do? We've lost all our funding. Are you still working? Can you still help us? And we're like, okay. And then, okay, corporates were not interested, obviously, because leadership development and investment in their people was not a priority. Totally get it. But individuals, what are they looking for? Who probably a lot of your listeners are looking for it too. I've been in this corporate world for a really long time, but like, I know there's more. I know there's more that I, I know I can do and be more. I know that there's so much more to me. I just need to expand. I need to break out of this. I need to expand my personal circle. I need to push through boundaries. I need to broaden my horizons to see what else I'm capable of. So we then realized that there were a lot of people that were looking for that. And that's where we then developed our virtual 
offering. So we created two, actually, one for corporates. So we work with corporates in a similar model to Thai Accelerator. It's a little bit different. There's coaching and there's other stuff that goes with that because we work with the talent department. But we created Thai Accelerator, and that's actually where you guys got involved. So as your company engaged, but it was sort of more through Gabby as an individual running the company as a co-founder. And it was a team of six people that came together and we had the brief with the cleaner cooking coalition. And the challenge was there are 3 billion people around the world that don't have access to clean or cleaner cooking. And what does that mean? In order to cook, in order to eat, they need to burn wood. Why? Because they don't have the money to be able to afford any other kind of energy, any other kind of gas, electric, solar. I mean, that's not even an option. But because there's not a huge return on investment, these people, do they have a voice? No, they don't because the return isn't there. So the market doesn't see them because it's, there's not a return on that. The return is the health of these individuals and the health of the planet. And unfortunately, that doesn't come into the terms of sort of big energy meetings when there's the, the oil and gas and solar and electric lobbyists there. So these individuals needed a voice and people needed to even understand that this was even a thing that's actually creating you know, I, I, Gabby, you're the specialist in this. I don't know what the numbers are, but it's like 20% or something of emissions are these individuals burning this fuel. And actually, let me just back up really, really quickly because talking about impact of Thai. In 2012, I started working with Connor, who was our main point of contact. He worked at a, uh, with Hestian. Hestian is a social enterprise, actually, that gets fuel-efficient stoves into the hands of the poorest people in the world. And so they worked in Malawi. So we had an individual, Trevor, from Widening Kennedy in New York. He went to Malawi. And the, the goal of this project, he had 30 days to make these stoves sexy. That was it. We need to get these stoves into the hands of people. In two years, they managed to get 500 stoves into the hands of people. So just let that sink in. In two years, there were 500 stoves they managed to get. Trevor went, drawing on his knowledge of design. I mean, he was a designer for Widening Kennedy. 30 days later, 10,000 stoves were ordered, 10,000. Their goal by 2020 was 2 million. Based on Trevor's strategy and Trevor's work, Malawi managed to get 2 million stoves into circulation. This is a big deal. So based on the Thai experience, drawing, you know, best out of Trevor, but also impacting the world, 2 million stoves. Because of that, Malawi was nominated to represent this population of 3 billion, 3 billion people at this UN energy meeting on the 24th of September of this year. But the thing is, is Malawi, they don't have communication specialists. They don't even have time to think about this kind of stuff. And it's a big deal because as you guys who have been working in this area for so long, I remember you saying, Gabby, which blew my mind. You're like, I have Ivy League analysts working with us full time. and like, it's crazy. No one knows that this is even an issue. I mean, that's nuts. So we ended up getting the president of the country to represent Malawi at this meeting, the only head of state to be at this meeting. And this group, including Gabby and Sheila, they wrote the script and created a video for this UN meeting that happened in September to share this message that is now game-changing. This is now going to the COP26 and it's now actually our next project. We've got Santander on board and they are now going to be getting the baton and sort of as if in a marathon or sort of a relay race, they're now like getting the next sort of leg 
And they're now figuring out how strategically to get this embedded in a more strategic way moving forward. So impactful, not just for a community, take someone out of their element, use their skills in a broader way, but also for them on the personal journey, as you mentioned, for them to broaden individually, um, yeah. emotionally, but also in terms of their skills, right? And, and as you mentioned, being out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Those cases sound, I mean, extraordinary, having someone come in and, and go from 500 to 10,000 of these stoves. But I'm just wondering from your standpoint, how often does it work like that? And and what are the biggest challenges? How often are you able to match that skill with the right project? And perhaps it's a little bit about getting those projects and, and being able to tap into the right resources. But what is the greatest challenge there? To your point about matching skill with the challenge at hand, I'm not too worried about that, to be honest. I, re I remember back when we did the international travel Thai projects and people would say, oh gosh, okay, so this is a business strategy project. So we need to have a business strategist or we need to, you know, uh, I have somebody who works in investment banking. So do you have like an investment banking project? And I'd be like, no, that's actually kind of goes against what we're doing. The whole point is to take people out of what they do and get them using what they do in a totally different way. And we know so much more than, and actually we get so siloed. I mean, to be honest, think about it. The more successful you become, if we think about it, and actually it's so crazy because if you think to become, you know, going to Wharton and, you know, being a CEO of a, a massive company that trades on various stock exchanges, I mean, to get there, you're probably a pretty ambitious person. So when you were younger, you probably traveled, you probably did like amazing trips on your own, you backpacked around, whatever. And then the more, and you're interested in tons of stuff, you've got tons of activities. And, but then as you get older and you get married and you have kids and then you become super specialized and a super, spe and super siloed, suddenly your world becomes really small, which is actually kind of against what you are as an individual. You're super ambitious and you're wanting to do all this stuff. But the more successful you get, the more siloed you get. But actually, you know so much more than what you've now become a specialist in, obviously, because you've done so much stuff over the course of your career and life. So what we do, actually, is we take people out of that and we say, okay, draw on what you know, because I'm pretty sure that you're going to be able to crack this. And they do. And it's unbelievably powerful. So again, it's about, you know, more than what you think you do or that you're allowed to accept, especially with our projects where there's six people, like we have six super diverse people. If the, we've got this one now with the Cleaner Cooking Coalition, it's more business strategy, but there's going to be a, a wide range of people and that's going to be great. They're just all going to be able to tap. But I, and I actually specifically say to people, you as the strategist, you are not the only person being a strategist. Everybody's going to get involved. Everybody, the whole team's going to get involved. So, so to that point, I'm not too worried about matching skills because actually I really like it when I get people totally out of their world, out of their silo, out of their comfort zone properly. And it sounds a bit cliche, but it's so true. It's super powerful. It is super powerful. And it was beautiful having experienced that firsthand, right? You brought the best in us and, and the motivation to try to make a difference was beautiful. And I, I think I never told you this, Philippa, but you were a big selling point to our team. We have a small research team, but they're incredible. They are very committed. And when um, I first explained to them about the international exchange, they all raised their hands and they were like, Gabby, Gabby, we want to do that. Can we do the, yeah. the, the way it was done before? Can we go to, you know, all of these places and just immerse ourselves? And, yeah. and then, of course, the idea is that my climate will support that, right? So so this is just the beginning, yeah. you know, of, of our relationship. But we could talk for hours and we always like to ask a final question. What do you expect? What do you think the world in 2030 
what improvements do you see um, taking place and what is your vision for 2030? Right now, there's a lot of challenges that the world right now, the way, the reason it's not kind of working as well as it could be is because, again, it comes down to silos, bubbles, being sort of stuck in our, our own little worlds. I think cross-sector partnerships are key. I think we need to recognize that it isn't just the NGOs that are saving the world. The private sector has to. And this is not a CSR or even ESG box ticking thing. This is a fundamental, it's not even transparency. It's not even a moral obligation. It's even a competitive advantage now. You need to understand that this is what people are looking for to work for you. It's going to be a competitive advantage for like economically. But also, it's, it's the only way that the world is going to be able to go in the direction that it needs to go in. It's if everyone really actually gets it. And it's the younger generation that do. And they honestly, in 2030, I, they are looking for these opportunities. They're going to, they're, you know, coming out of university, only really wanting to work for the places that kind of, that really do get it. The older sort of more established companies need to hire people who get it, who are going to be leading those companies. But I also don't even believe it's coming from the leaders. I see a lot of the, I call them foot soldiers. It's like the middle management. And that's who we're also unleashing. The ideas don't just come from the top. They're coming from within. And the conversation needs to be different. If you work in a client sort of facing industry, don't wait for the brief to come to you. You need to be on the front foot. Say, I've got an idea. Shake things up and the, the change is going to be coming from inside. So, I mean, entrepreneurship is so key. It's changing things from the inside and the leaders need to be, you know, willing for that change and embrace it because that's what's going to make your company better, make people want to work for you. You're going to be able to, you're going to make more money, but also it's going to be just the future of this planet needs to go. So I'm an optimist, but I, I really am optimistic as long as we give that freedom to the people to, the, to help drive the, the, you know, companies in the direction that they need to go. Well, we're optimists too. Great note to end on. Thank you so much for having us. And if anybody- Thank you for having me. Pleasure to have you on. And if anyone is interested in our, our listeners, they can go to the International Exchange website. Is that right? Any other- Yeah, tips? you can. Or actually, if you want to understand what, what Gabby and Shayla were involved with and your company, um, you know, as the Thai Accelerator experience, if you go to apply.thaiaccelerator.com, there's a short video there that kind of brings it to life. And then you can just book a call with me and I can explain more. Thank you for making the time. Listen, thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Really enjoy talking to you. Thanks for listening. Climate Talk is produced by Spark Network. You can listen to Climate Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your shows. To find out more about us, visit us at iClima.Earth. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. See you next week.